If you clicked on this episode, that means you are ready to join me on a journey of reflection, learning, and healing. Hi, my name is Amira, and I am excited to create a space where I share my reflections and make sense of them through the lens of systemic oppression and healing. Some days I might share reflections on my healing journey, and other days I might talk about politics, the ups and downs of navigating life, or what I'm learning from my solo travels. My hope is that you find some clarity for your own life by listening to my honest reflections. Let's heal together. Let's make sense of this journey together. Let's build some clarity. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. The topic of discussion today is a topic that is incredibly relevant to my life, and I know it is relevant to the lives of many. So I'm going to begin the discussion by asking you a very few simple questions that I would like for you to intentionally listen to and answer in your mind. All right. Do you find yourself sharing something and regretting what came out of your mouth a few moments later? Or do you feel the pressure to share detailed information about your life with people, whether it be with friends immediately, people you know sort of relatively closely or on social media? And do you feel a pressure to share information to stay relevant? Or do you find yourself with that deep impulse, almost like an addictive impulse to share what's going on on your life on social media? Almost like if your private life is not validated externally by a like, a repost, a reaction on a story, or even by just telling someone and getting a, a verbal affirmation from them that it's not valid, that if your private life is not being validated or affirmed in some way, then it's, it's, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't worthy enough. It, it, it almost like didn't happen. If you answer or feel connected to any of the questions that I had just asked, I think you have clicked on the right episode today. Because if any of these points resonate with you, I think you are going to very much enjoy the discussion I'm having today on a topic that is incredibly important for our self-protection, for our mental protection, for our spiritual protection, and most importantly, for the protection of our hearts which is the topic of oversharing. I want to first begin our discussion by sharing a little bit about why I chose this topic. Then I'm going to investigate the topic and the phenomena of oversharing through the lens of capitalism and then through the more personal lens of our unhealed childhood wounds. And then I'm actually going to do a, a, a very critical exercise with you all where anyone listening can pause and do the exercise with me to gain a little bit more clarity about their oversharing patterns. And then we're going to discuss and I will or I will discuss ways in which we can start to shift those patterns to protect ourselves better. So I want to begin by discussing why I, I why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because I have always struggled with oversharing in my life until very recently. And and this habit that I've had over the years of oversharing has led me into incredibly dangerous, painful, and hurtful situations in my life, especially over the past two years. Situations that I could have avoided completely, consistently throughout my life, especially the past two years, I could have avoided completely had I learned the tools and techniques that I'm practicing now. Had I been more aware of my oversharing patterns and had I been more attuned to the energy of the people around me who I was trusting with information that I should have never trusted with. I'm talking about this because I don't want anyone listening to this episode ever. I don't want you 
ever to embarrass yourself the way I have embarrassed myself in my past. And I do not want anyone to make the mistakes that I made. And I want people to be better equipped with those tools that come from us investigating these patterns in our lives and developing a little bit more clarity so we can address those patterns from a place of conscious awareness. So hopefully this discussion from today can serve as a reflection point for people listening. For any any one of you listening, I just want you to reimagine your engagement with the world and how can you improve that with the people in your life, especially on social media, but also in your daily lives as well moving forward so that you can better keep your private life private and protect yourself from people out there who might not always have best intention for you in mind. I want to begin this discussion by talking about the phenomena of oversharing through the lens of capitalism. I, I'm doing this for two reasons. One, because this is a lens that is glossed over and overlooked. And this lens also, number two, helps us then make sense of why is it that we feel this psychological, bodily, mental impulse and need to want to have ourselves validated through social media. So I want us to really begin thinking about our impulse to overshare and share information, not as just an individual failure, but product of what capitalist greed has conditioned us to become. When I think about why social media was created and what was its initial goals, I always ask myself, what was the main intention? And when we think about why was Tumblr or why was MySpace and all these places created, long before Facebook, I mean, Facebook really capitalized off of this, were those places created with a total public aim? Did they have a total public ethos? Did these multi-million dollar social media companies have a drive to serve the public? And the answer is no, no, they aren't because these are corporations and the corporations have always and always will have one bottom line and their bottom line is their profit margin. The dangerous thing of what's happened with Facebook and other social medias that's built off of the earlier platforms like, you know, MySpace and that is that these platforms, when they were created, they, of course, did not market and profitize off of advertisements the way the social media companies do now. But what they they wanted a space, of course, where they could make money, get people to sign up and 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 with with the with the veil of like, you know, being connected to one another and all that. And as those places were created, the veil and the good that was being sold is that you're going to feel ever Ever more connected than before and you can feel connected if you're using spaces like myspace or tumblr or whatever to share detailed information about everything from college pictures you know things you're doing at christmas holiday with your family all these things but but the aim of these social media platforms was that the more personal you can get the more engagement you're going to have and the more engagement you're going to have the more relevant you're going to be in the lives of your friends oh so you want friends you want to develop a network well you have to start sharing and what the from the beginning and onset of this corporate agenda agenda, these corporations were able to identify and exploit a dangerously exploit a very fundamental human need, which is the human need to connect. It is in our DNA to want to have community, to want to have communion, to want to have people in our lives who we feel like are our friends, to want to belong. Okay, this is a this is a survival need. But what these corporations identified and got their greedy tentacles around is exploiting this human psyche to feel less lonely and exploiting this for their profit margins. Of course, since MySpace and all that doesn't exist anymore, but it's evolved into the TikToks and the Instagrams of the world, where now if we want to feel accepted, we want to feel belonged, we want to feel cared for, wanted, or even relevant and not forgotten, what do we have to do? We have to post, 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 share, share, share. And you know, this wonderful documentary on um, Netflix, which has gotten the most, I think, recognition, The Social Dilemma. I mean, that documentary lays it out. The 
whole reason that a tech company like Facebook or, you know, now Meta, they hired so many psychologists and they were running so many psychological studies is because they were trying to understand how can we play with the algorithm to tap into the human conscious, the, the psychology of human beings so that we can keep them on that app for longer. How can we get them addicted? How can we get them addicted without actually feeding them the drug, but them to chase the drug, which is the, the, the moment the, the screen lights up, the moment we get a like, the moment we get a share. They were doing that research to get us to, to see how long we, they can keep us on these apps. And what happens when we are on these apps, the longer we are on these apps, the longer they can, they can get their ads uh, exposed, more ads, more advertisement, more money. So for them, the bottom line always has been money. But what has it done to us? It's generated and conditioned the the psyche and the consciousness of vast majority of people in this world to identify ourselves with our social media. I very few people I know in my circle. I'm in my early 20, 20s, right? Very few people I know in my circle who does not identify with their social media. Like everyone's identifying with TikTok or Instagram. That's what they identify with or Twitter and the political space that I'm in. But this public addiction, this hyper oversharing, it serves the, the corporate greed. It serves the capitalist project. It serves what corporations want, which is more time on the screen. So to think that, you know, the way that algorithms are shaped so that we stay on the app longer, to think that the way our entire social sphere has been revamped by this corporate agenda to, to have more of us marketed as products on their on their platforms to buy things, sell things, whatever, to think that these things do not have an impact on our habit of oversharing is denying. It's really denying reality. That's why I took the time to talk about the, the hands and the tendencies of capitalism around the phenomena of oversharing because the reality is that you know when people talk about oversharing especially in so many of these videos I've watched and, and podcasts I've listened to people talk about this issue as like an individual failure it's a very much tough love type of thing where it's like oh if only people just stop sharing then you're not gonna you know put yourself in a hard situation so it's your fault that you're sharing too much you stop but it's not an individual failure it's I mean uh, we have responsibilities about it and I'm gonna move into that discussion in like a few seconds but there is a, a very systemic thing at play here so if we fail to recognize and if we gloss over the role of corporate greed and unfettered capitalism in exploiting our you know our, our our need to connect by promising us that the more we share and the more we stay on these apps the, the more we're gonna be accepted loved cared for it and relevant in people's lives if we deny that then we're not talking about the issue correctly. So I, I always talk about any issue from a systemic lens. And then, of course, then I bring it to the interpersonal, which for the most part, we can always decode better when we think about how our childhoods were. So with that, I'm going to now move towards talking about how has our childhoods um, shaped some of our behaviors around oversharing. I will be a little personal in this section before we get into this exercise of thinking about oversharing. You know, I was born and raised in Bangladesh and I'm South Asian. And the thing with South Asian families is that we share a lot. We talk a lot, we share a lot. And the thing about Western or white majority cultures that's different than South Asian culture, I would say, at least for me personally speaking, is that I've noticed, you know, white cultures very much more private. But in South Asian cultures, there is there is no such thing as privacy. You, in your life, you, you know, it's it's the joke is like when a husband and wife get married, it's not just them. that Like they're not just holding hands with each other. It's like they're holding hands and then 25 other family members members are also in a circle holding their hands because no problem is between just a husband and a wife or like a family it's like your problem becomes your uncle's problems your grandma's problem your aunt's problem like everyone's is everyone everyone is in everyone's business and that's how my culture is so 
I'm sharing this because for a lot of us, and I know many people can relate to this, we come from families where we have an enmeshed family system. I came from an enmeshed family system. What is an enmeshed family system? Well, it is sort of a family relationship where the relationships are characterized between the caregiver and the children by very weak boundaries, a lack of emotional separation, and intrusive demands, which requires any members of the family to just basically drop their own needs to meet the need of the other. And so in this sort of constant sacrificing of one's boundary, what ends up happening is this lack of development of an independence self. So to to give my own personal example, you know, I I never had boundaries that I could set with my parents. It's a very enmeshed relationship I've had with my parents. They're incredibly, incredibly involved in my life. I, you know, there's no such thing as privacy for me growing up. They incredibly intrusive. There's no no such thing as privacy, always power and control over my life. So I never had the space, the room to really develop my own sense of independent self that I, to recognize consciously that this is where their access to me ends. And this is where my own space begins. I didn't have that development throughout my childhood or girlhood, which I characterize by when I say girlhood, I mean between the years of like, I would say 12 to like 17, right? So this lack of boundaries that I had the opportunity to um, set early on in my life meant that I'd carried on this spirit almost of enmeshment into my adult connections, friendships, relationships, just all sorts of uh, human connections. You know, the, when, when people who come from secure family dynamics or who come from families that are not dysfunctional or who have parents who allow them to set some boundaries for themselves those kids when they grow up they come come into their adulthood with the tools that they need to be able to be like establish their guardrails establish their boundaries and be like okay these are the tools I have to shield myself from over oversharing or allowing people to sort of step all over me or come into my space. But those of us who come from enmeshed family backgrounds like I do, we don't have those tools. So I personally did not learn the tools I needed to protect myself from other people, you know, overstepping my boundaries because I never had boundaries to begin with and also to protect myself from oversharing. And so now going into the oversharing thing, Remember how I talked about the family dynamic I came from is a family dynamic where there is no such thing as privacy. Your information is my information, right? So that's the family dynamic I came from. So knowing that I can actually have an own independent life and that I am actually allowed to have my own privacy, I didn't know that I had not learned that until very recently in my life. So I came into adulthood with that default impulse to overshare because what I was familiar with in my family dynamic, which a lot of people can relate to, is we can connect with mom, dad, brother, sister, guardian, anyone who's a guardian figure for you by oversharing, by sharing all the details of what she said, he said, what happened, how I'm feeling, everything. Because there's the, the default is to share because that's how we connect. Well, that is Again, that's how human beings connect. There's nothing wrong with that inherently. It's what the problem is, is when we are unable to discern where we are sharing this and who we are sharing this with. Going, coming back to sort of my story here. Now I came into adulthood without any boundaries, knowing how to set my own boundaries and coming from this enmeshed family dynamic. You know, I've always, um, especially through middle school and high school, I very much struggled to make friends. And that's one of the main reasons is because I'd always prioritize school and being successful and really being high achieving over sort of spending the time to discern people better. That's something I learned very recently. Because I didn't have those tools 
to really set boundaries for myself too when I'm oversharing. And I knew growing up that, oh, in my family, we connect by oversharing and sharing everything. What did I do? I thought, oh, it's familiar to me. I did that subconsciously, people, but still. So I came into these friendships in my girlhood and adulthood by, oh, like, I like her. You know, I think she's cool. Let me just, let me share with her. Let me connect with her. And so to me, I associated connecting with someone by by oversharing. What I mean by oversharing is not like very uncomfortable or too detailed stuff about my life, but like sharing significant amount with someone without really spending a significant time with them to get to know this person I also was impatient and I just wanted to have friends I wanted to connect and so I the way I knew to connect what was familiar to me was by sharing about how I'm feeling what I'm thinking my vulnerabilities what I want to do in life like all those information that I should not be sharing with someone in the early stages I and and it's for a lot of people listening to this it might also be a shocker because I know my empaths out there like me we have this tendency of wanting to just like share 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 and that's because we just want to connect and that's valid your feeling for that is valid but now I'm going to turn to a point in this discussion that is that's been my major lesson my major wake-up call which is why I'm making this episode and I'm spending time talking about this in detail because I never want other people to make the mistakes I made I never want anyone else to go through what I went through now remember how I shared that I I overshared because growing up in my family sharing was a way I connected or I thought I could connect with people in my family that was what was familiar to me but you see in my family regardless of how dysfunctional it was you know the thing with family is like at the end of the day especially my mom and dad or you know regardless of how dysfunctional my relationship is with them they want the best for their child right so they had good intentions for me regardless of how they carried that intention the thing is with people out there in in the world they don't have good intentions for me and so that's the mistake I made I went out into the world wanting to make friends wanting to connect and I assumed that everyone else had well intentions for me as I did for them because the thing with me is I'm the sort of person where if I'm spending time with someone and if I really am giving someone the time of day that means I genuinely like I'm rooting for them I like care about them or if anyone I involve in my life in any capacity even if it's someone a friend I'm getting to know I just wish everyone well I'm always wishing loving kindness towards people I am always wishing people well even when people say things that are whack even when they say like whack ass shit I still like I I wish people well this loving kindness this genuine wishing happiness good health and healing for others is very deeply part of my being and so what am I doing I'm always you know approaching any sort of connection with anybody with like well intentions for them but guess what I was naive about and I think the listeners out there already know I was naive to think that other people had the same well intentions for me and it wasn't until last year when I went through some incredibly emotionally painful hurtful and 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 outright dangerous situations because i trusted friends or i thought they were friends and people who i thought they i they cared for me with information about me thinking that they had wanted the best for me not realizing that just because i want the best for someone doesn't mean that someone wants the best for me and that realization was sort of the rapture moment for me it really changed everything for me it changed everything for me because i realized that Well, two things. One is that people have a lot of unhealed core childhood wounds and vast majority of us do. I do. I'm I'm constantly trying to heal, learn and grow and I'm always making mistakes and I'm trying to grow from my mistakes. But most people don't have that commitment of a growth mentality. They have a commitment of like blaming others, never taking responsibility and building a lot of anger and pent up resentment and hate towards others. So when we have, when people out there have that and then they're around, well, like people like how I was naive, you know, and sharing about me and like, 
wanting to connect and sharing these things with people who are not in a good place in their life. What, what are they doing? They're taking that data, that information I'm sharing about myself, and they're turning it into anger and hate within. And then they're sending that evil eye, the negative energy towards me. And one thing, um, a psychic lady <laughs> that I saw later on told me, you know, you, I want you to be more careful of what's coming out of your mouth. I want you to be more impeccable with your words because the evil eye out there, you know, it doesn't come from random people on the street. Sure, people on the street might see, for example, what you wear, how you are, you're pretty, good looking, whatever, and they might envy you. And that in and of itself is negative energy. But the most harm usually that's done to us are by people that are the closest to us. The most harm that we are capable of experiencing usually usually for the most part, comes from people who we trusted the most, who we felt that we could be safer on the most. The most harm is usually done by people closest to us. I really want you to think about that because that's something that I needed to awaken up to because I wanted, I wanted to connect so bad with people. I wanted to make friends so bad because I, I was in that, yes, I was in that energy of desperation. I'm admitting that. But because I was in that energy of desperation, I overlooked so many things that of course now I never will. But back then I, I was naive to. And the reality that the evil eye, the negative, or if you don't even believe in the new evil eye, it's really just negative intentions. I, I mean, spiritual or not, people I know at least believe that not even agnostic people atheist people believe that not everyone is wishing you well <laughs> that's you know uh, because every I think all of us in one way or another have been the victim of another person's um, harmful or negative wishes for for us whether it be through words or others and so all through the experiences I've had last past two years especially last year this year as well but especially last year I was awakened to the reality that my god it's the patterns in which I was trusting people with information. What I was doing is I was, exp I was like taking a knife, cutting my hand, cutting my skin, expo exposing my wounds and my blood and putting that out in front of the wolves, in front of the tiger. And then I was getting surprised when the beast would come and bite me up. Well, what was I doing? I was throwing myself in the line of the fire. Obviously, I was going to get burned. But I was throwing myself in the line of the fire, hoping the fire would stop burning the moment I landed there. When in reality, with people with a lot of anger and pent up resentment and grudge inside, they're going to flame, fume, fuel their flames even more when you give them information. Okay, so in this point of the discussion is when I'm going to do a little bit of exercise with you. And I want everyone listening, whether you have the, the phone, the notes app on your phone, a paper, a pen, whatever, whatever you, writing method you can get access to. I want you to take a second. You can pause this podcast or just do it as I'm saying. And I want you to write down the names of people who you think are closest to in your life. This could be a, a list of friends, family members, people in your life who you feel are close to you, loved ones, friends, people who you trust. Okay. So once you write down a list of people, pause this if you need to write them down, like genuinely, honestly, write them down. Part two of this exercise is I want you to go down this list and after you think of if every person, look at every name and think about that person in your mind. You can close your eyes, look at the name of the first person, close your eyes. And now think about times in your life when you've had conversations with them. Have there been any times when you had a conversation with this person and you came out of a conversation or shared something about yourself and was like, oh, I shouldn't have shared it with this person. I love this person, but oh, maybe it should have been better if I didn't share this information with them because I don't trust them with this information. Or in, thus, in that list, are you seeing any names where you just don't wholeheartedly trust? Like subconsciously, you know you can't trust them, but you just deny that to yourself, to your conscious self at least. Or are there any names on that list where you just, after sharing something, you just regret? You regret sharing with that person. If any of that happens, 
So I want you to go down the list again and you can draw a check mark, a dot, an emoji, whatever, something to indicate that, you know, that. And be honest with yourself. No one is looking through this list. You can chop it up, delete it, throw it in the garbage right after this. But I want you to do that honest inventory, an honest inventory of who are the people in your life and how much are you really trusting these people? Do they really have good intentions for you? If so, why? What are their reasons to have good intentions for you? And I think when we all do an honest inventory of the people in our life, how much we are sharing with them and why we're sharing what we're sharing, I think all of us recognize in that list, oh, there's at least at a bare minimum one person, if not more, who we should not be sharing the information who we share with and who we need to be more careful around. So I'm assuming I'm just going to go around ahead with this assumption that you've probably identified at a minimum one person in your list. When you think about a person in your life that um, you share stuff with that you regret sharing things or you just don't feel like you should be sharing, but then you end up sharing and then you feel guilty afterwards. So I want to pause there and first like really affirm and really acknowledge the fact that you went through this exercise, even if you didn't write down, even if you just thought about it in your head as I talk. That's the first step is identifying. But what I want with this identification is an, a method of actionable intelligence, right? So we gain some intelligence about the people we have in our lives who we might not feel so oh so great about after we share information about ourselves. Then now the next step is thinking, okay, I have identified these people, at least consciously now, what do I do with this information? Well, I think there are many things we can do with this information. The first thing being is really sitting with ourselves and thinking about why are we sharing so much with this person? And then now also not just keeping it to the immediate people in our lives. I want you to expand that broader. Think about your social media. Think about Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and Facebook, whatever you use, Snapchat, Be Real, whatever. And how much are you sharing? I'm not talking about moments. I'm talking about like detailed information about um, things you're feeling, things that happened to you, things people did wrong to you. Most importantly, what you're planning to do with your education or your career, whatever you're sharing out there publicly for anyone in the, the social media eco chamber to see. Why are you doing that? Genuinely ask yourself that question. Why am I sharing these things on social media? Who is it for? What am I trying to get out of this and why? Because I bet you've gotten hundreds and hundreds of likes in the span of your years, you know, from different posts and reactions at least, whatever. But they've clearly, clearly not been enough because if that's so, then we all would have shut down our, our social medias. But, we, but instead, we continue to engage on it. We want more likes. We want more affirmation, more comments, more engagement, right? So it's never enough. So it's not about the likes to begin with. And then it's something deeper. I can tell you from my personal experience and personal reflection on this matter, I personally have been oversharing personally, individually with friends and also on social media because I was looking to get validated. I just wanted to belong. I just wanted to feel wanted. All I ever wanted was to feel wanted. And I know there's someone out there listening to me who can also relate to this. If you also are someone like me, you all you want is to belong, to feel wanted, accepted, loved, cared for, valued, and not forgotten. And you find yourself on social media or with people in your life sharing because, you know, sharing is a way for us that we've been conditioned that, you know, we can keep connected with people. 
this is a good identification point, but also thinking about, okay, now how can I make this actionable intelligence and, and putting some action to this intelligence that I've gained about myself? I think the first step comes with really thinking about, okay, how can I be more conscious? How can I be more impeccable with my words? And it's not just something that my that psychic lady said to me. It's actually, don't... Um, Miguel Ruiz from his book, The Four Agreements, one, the first ag agreement is for a healthy life and a happy life is be impeccable with your words. And what he says is really take a time before speaking. Always just take a second to pause. No one's going to kill you if you take a second to pause and think before what comes out of your mouth. Because guess what? The moment you share something out and it enters the ears of people, you can never take it back. I'll listen until they go to on a fugue state and have amnesia. You're never taking that back. Be very careful and take a second to pause. I am practicing this myself. So this is this has actually been my first point of actionable intelligence is like now I even before sharing, like let's say something happened to me. Something's going down. Someone said to me, so, someone said something to me that's really hurt me. And, and then a friend calls me. Then my initial impulse is to tell them, you cannot believe what this XYZ person told me. Before doing that, I pause. I think to myself, okay, is this, this piece of information worth sharing? Because if I share this, this is one, it's going to be gossip, probably. It's me talking about someone else that's absolutely not necessary, that's not productive, that's harmful energy, that's negative. And also, what is this going to accomplish? And so I, I, I actually censor myself. Like I think, pause, and then I censor, and I only share what I need to. I think if we can do a little bit more gatekeeping of our own thoughts to others and less gatekeeping of other people, this could be a beneficial service to our own, own individual protection, our own mental protection, spiritual protection, our own sense of happiness. I hope that from this discussion, you are able to at least identify a few people in your life who you, you know, want to think about you know, after this podcast and later sometime today or this week, you want to sit down and be like, okay, I know that I cannot necessarily fully trust this person. And I struggle to sort of, you know, take complete large steps away from them. But what are small things I can do to be careful of what I share and be limit, limit what I share because you are in charge of what goes out. You don't, you don't owe anyone anything and you are allowed to control, honestly, what, what other people have access to in regards to your life. That's a lesson that it's a main lesson for me as I'm walking out of 2022. And I did this exercise because had I learned about these things earlier two years ago especially all all throughout my girlhood y'all i would have saved myself the embarrassment i would have saved myself the hurt and i would have saved myself from all the very painful situations i gone through because i didn't know how to pause and think of what i'm sharing and what i'm allowing other people to know about my life i didn't think before sharing and that led me to very 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 dangerous situations i want to close this off by by saying that you know when we sh overshare and you know i've kept the definition of overshare pretty vague throughout this conversation because I want anyone listening to identify with over the word overshare as they seem fit for their life. And so I'm going to keep it you. I want you listening to define what oversharing could mean like for you. I'm leaving it up to you. But I know that when I overshare, I do so because I want connection. I want to connect with others. And there's nothing wrong in wanting to have a connection. But what my, my main takeaway has been from my inter internal reflections is that the connection, the validation, the affirmation that I was trying to seek from others through oversharing and sharing details of my life that other people did not need to have access to 
or just not everybody didn't need to have access to that validation no one else because no one else was going to be able to provide me to begin with because that affirmation and validation only one person could provide that and that was myself of course in my life I have a very few handful of very solid connections who of people who I can share details in my life and I would not call that oversharing because I have built trust with them over the years and I want you to be able to do that too you know to have a solid few trusted people in your life who you can share and share in detail and not feel guilt and shame and fear about by the end of the discussion and instead feel free and liberated and you are deserving of that and you do have that and I trust you will continue to build that it's just limiting what you share and who you're sharing this with is that important step because the real satisfaction and connection that comes for us is with the people who we can trust and equally is when we have that with ourselves I realize personally that the most satisfaction and the most real connection I have with myself is in solitude is in silence it is when I'm with myself and not under any social pressure of social media and, and outside forces that's telling me to perform a certain type of way and you know the true satisfaction and meaning I was seeking from oversharing by attaching to others it actually came from those moments when I took the time to let go and connect by saying less and listening more instead I hope you found something valuable from this conversation and I'm so excited for the next one I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode and found it to be helpful to stay updated on future episodes, go on Instagram and follow at Clarity with Amira. I would love to engage with you there. Till then, please be kind to yourself and take it one day at a time. You got this.